the party to you. Sam's tonight. I was way off. Hold on to your butts. What's up, heroes? And welcome to the Stephen Corson Show, where we discuss financial strategies, habits, and mindset to get you to your first 100K and then get you to your first million, all in the pursuit of true wealth and modern freedom. All right, I want you to imagine that you walk into a room of people, and then as soon as you get into it, it's a bunch of people from a place speaking a language that you do not understand. So for the sake of the argument, I don't speak Mandarin. I'm just going to say that I walk into a room of Chinese people. So if I walk into a room of Chinese people and everyone is speaking Mandarin, uh, I'm going to be very unsure exactly of what to do with myself. I'm not going to know how to say hello to people. I'm not going to have an idea of what everybody is talking about in the room, what is really happening. And it's going to take me a little time to kind of figure out, you know, what it is that's going on. So what happens is a lot of times when it comes to our money, that's exactly how people feel when they're talking to financial advisors and, you know, tax experts and different things like that. They go into these meetings because they don't know the language of money. They start to get really uncomfortable and it starts to make them feel kind of unintelligent, makes them feel really dumb when they start using, you know, terms like ROI and net worth and 401ks and IRAs and Roth and yada, yada, yada. And that's something that is a big problem that we have right now because the reality is a lot of industries do this. Medicine does this. Law does this. Finance does this. This isn't unique. Any type of expertise that you get into, normally there is some type of language around it. The problem is that when it comes to finances, this is something we actually all use. I may not understand the language of construction very well, uh, but I don't do construction very often. So therefore, it's not important that I run into that. Um, but we all use finances. So we need to be able to understand some basic terms. So going back to the room that you're in, if I'm walking around and I just hear everybody speaking Mandarin and I'm like, man, I just, I don't know what to do about this. But then somebody comes up to me and they start talking in English. Well, instantly I'm going to feel a lot more comfortable because then I'm going to say, Hey, I have a bridge. I have somebody here who can translate from English to Mandarin. They can help me understand what everybody in the room is talking about how to ask where the bathrooms are, you know, different things like that. I can I can now navigate my way through conversations. And at the very least, it's just, it makes me feel comfortable to know that I am able to communicate with somebody effectively. So that's, the, that's how a lot of people feel, like I said, going into finance. So what I want to do is I want to uh, go over a newsletter that I just wrote, got a lot of feedback on this. And I just want to hit 25 really popular terms. Now, some of these are personal finance terms. Some of these are investing in you know, business terms that kind of come up with it. But all 25 of them are relatively easy to understand. These are not complicated terms. As soon as you know them, you're going to say, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. Um, and it's going to make you feel a lot more comfortable with them. So let's go ahead and dive in. Um, if you're watching this, I'm going to splash them up here on the screen so you're able to kind of follow along with me. But if not, like I said, I'm just going to break down these 25 terms and you know try to put it in layman speak as much as I can. Okay, so the first one is compound interest. This is interest that is earned both on the principal amount and any interest that has been accumulated over time. So all that is, is when you go and you make an investment on something and you leave the money invested. So if I 
invest $10,000 and over time that grows to $15,000. If instead of taking the 5,000 out that I earn with the interest and I leave that in there, well, now it's not that $10,000 earning interest. Now it's $15,000 earning interest. And that starts to create a huge bell curve to where you can really start making some serious money in the long term. And that's why it's so important to start investing earlier. Uh, Einstein actually called compound interest the eighth wonder of the world. So go figure. All right. So compound interest, an asset. So you probably heard this word before. You probably have a little bit of an idea what it is, but this is what it actually is. Anything owned by a person or a company that has monetary value, such as property, stocks, or cash. Now, there is something called intangible assets. Um, that is anything that is not necessarily physical. And this could be something like a logo, for instance. So how much is the Coca-Cola logo worth or the Nike logo worth? You know, that's not something that's necessarily tangible, um, you know, but it's worth a lot of money. So those are different things that um, can also be assets that aren't actually physical things we can touch. Just a little caveat there. It's not even on the screen. That's a bonus one for you. Man, we're, we're moving along. So liability. A liability is exactly what it sounds like. It's something, excuse me, that could potentially be a problem. If you've ever been like, man, that friend of yours is a liability, <laughs> that's, that, that's where they're getting to. So a liability is any financial obligation or debt that a person or a company is responsible for, such as a loan or a mortgage. So hey, if you owe money, it's a liability. You 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 bought a couch on a loan, it's a liability. Credit card, liability. Mortgage, liability. It's not that hard. It's just something you owe. It's going to cause you to lose money instead of make it. Asset, the exact opposite. So, you know, like I said, not complicated, but when you start hearing asset and liability because they get used a lot, it'll help you understand what's going on. A budget. We don't really have to explain too much what a budget is, right? It's just a financial plan. Um, but the thing that I do want to say about budgets is the mindset around those. I just want to hit on this. Uh, a lot of people think budgets are supposed to be punitive. That is not what budgets are. If you do budgets wrong, they can be punitive. But all that a budget really is supposed to be is intentional spending. When you make that mindset shift that, oh, it's a budget. I can't have any fun if I have a budget. That's totally not true. Just be intentional with the fun that you want to have. You love surfing. You love going to coffee shops. You love buying first edition books, whatever it is, that's fine. Just budget for it. You'll actually find out that if you do that, you'll have more fun doing the things you actually love because you won't be wasting it on fun that was stuff that maybe you didn't care about as much. So there you go. That's it on budgets. Number five, equity. This is a word that comes up a lot, uh, especially like in the world that we live in nowadays, the word equity is getting thrown around a ton, you know, when it comes to social justice stuff. And it's very confusing the way that other people are using it. So do not get it confused. So financially, what we're talking about when it comes to equity is the value of an asset minus any liabilities representing the portion of the asset that is owned by the owner. Okay, that sounded like a lot. Again, this is something that sounds complicated. It's super easy. So the most common type of equity that people talk about is normally in a home. So when you buy a home, most people don't pay cash for it. So if I bought a home for $500,000, uh, but I have a loan out on it, well, what is the difference between you know the amount of the home, the $500,000 and how much I paid down? Well, if I paid down 20%, you know, then that would have been $100,000. So my equity would be $100,000 in the home. I own $100,000 of the $500,000 owed on the home. Once I pay off the loan completely, 
then I own $500,000 in equity. Does that make sense? Um, so that's what, there's a lot of different ways to calculate equity. Uh, same thing with your car. If I put $50,000 down on a $30,000 car, that's $15,000. I have $15,000 of equity in the car. So that's all that it means. How you calculate equity, that can get a little complicated sometimes depending on what we're doing here, but that's the simplest form of it. All right, the next one is revenue. Moving along here. So revenue, it's exactly like what you hear with business, income generated by a business or an individual. That's it. Nice and simple. Expenses. I think we all know what expenses are. The costs incurred. So again, revenue expenses. These are opposites to each other. Expenses are liabilities. Revenue is an asset. Capital. This is a really important one when you start to invest. You're going to hear the word capital a lot. What does that mean? The financial resources available to a business or individual, which can be used to invest or start new ventures. So if I have $50,000 and a nice pile of cash sitting right here, that is capital. I am able to use that to go and start investing. But if I have $50,000 and $40,000 of it is in equity in my home and $10,000 of it is sitting here in cash, well, I can't pull the money out of my house immediately to go buy some stocks. So that's not really considered capital. But the $10,000 cash, I can go and start investing right there. So boom, I have $10,000 in capital. So it's really just money that you have that's ready to go to be invested or used to start a venture. All right, man, if you're, if you're just using these nine words right now, you are going to go so far in financial circles. We're, we're absolutely crushing it. Interest rate, again, very obvious percentage at which the amount of money is borrowed or lent, normally expressed in a percent. So if you see 7% interest rate, 22% interest rate on your credit card, that means for every $1,000, you are going to owe $220 after a year if you don't pay that back at all. Okay. So return on investment, this is most commonly just called ROI. If you hear anybody walking around going, well, you know, what was the ROI on that investment? You know, what, what was the ROI there? You know, have you calculated the ROI? ROI comes up all the time in financial circles. All it means is that, okay, you invested in something. How much money did you make? That's literally all it means, the return on investment. So if you think about that and I say, hey, I invested $1,000 in a stock last week. I sold it. It was... Uh, my investment is now worth $900. Well, if I invested $1,000 and I ended up with $900, that means it was ROI negative. So you can have a negative return on investment. Unfortunately, it happens a lot. So I was negative 10, uh, 10% on my investment, ROI. Amortization. Again, don't get scared. This isn't that bad. Amortization is just a process of paying debt over time by making regular payments that include the principal and the interest. Okay. Most commonly, you're only ever going to hear this word come up when it comes to buying a home. So when they're talking about the amortization of a loan, if you have a loan that is $500,000 and then you have an interest payment of 5%, then over time, as that interest calculates up, you're going to end up paying something closer to like $750,000 because you have to pay off the interest over time. All it's talking about is the amortization of that. It's the interest plus the capital. That's it. Nice and easy. A dividend. Moving along, this is super easy. A portion of a company's earnings that's distributed to its shareholders as a form of payment for their investment. A dividend is a paycheck that a company gives you because you invested in them. That's it. It's just saying, thanks for having stock with us and giving us your money so we can grow as a company. 
A lot of companies do this, but not all of them do. So whenever you're looking to invest, you can find this. If you look at dividend, might say dividend yield, something like that. And if it says 3%, well, then there you go. It's going to get 3% on your investment back. So it's a great thing to look at. Um, gross domestic product. This is something when we're talking about the overall health of a country, total values of goods and services produced within a country's borders. So this isn't something you really need to worry about that time. But if you ever hear GDP, just know that you want that number to be positive. And if it's talking about your country, hopefully that's, you know, it means it's a good thing if it's positive most of the time. Inflation. I think we've all heard enough about this one recently. So it's in the rate at which general prices for goods and services is increasing, reducing the purchasing power of a currency. So all inflation means is this. The more money that we print, the less a dollar can buy you. Okay. So, uh, you know, if we go back 20 years ago, $1,000 was probably enough to get you four new tires, an oil change, and uh, a new set of windshield wipers, you know, when you had to take in and service your car. Now, $1,000 may only be enough to get you three tires. It may not even get you a fourth, depending on the kind of tires you get. So that's the point. It's not necessarily sure the price tag on them went up, but it's only because the dollar is worth less. So sometimes inflation can be a little confusing for people, but just know that everything will go up over time as long as we continue to print money. So the goal is to print as little as possible, something our government absolutely sucks at right now. All right, moving along. Liquidity. This is a really good word to be familiar with. The ability of an asset to be easily converted into cash without a significant loss in value. So liquidity means uh, if we go back up here, I'm going to come back to capital. Okay, so in capital, we were talking about, you know, how quickly can we get money, uh, you know, that we can invest in other things. So liquidity is how fast can I get money from something that's an investment in order to make it capital? So going back to the previous example, if I have $100,000 of equity in my home, I've paid down $100,000 on it. I cannot make that money liquid quickly. I cannot get that $100,000 out of my mortgage if I needed to, you know, use that $100,000 to pay for, you know, a new boat because I wanted to go sailing around the world. But if I had that $100,000 invested in a stock, I can make that liquid very quickly. All I have to do is hit sell and it will be in my bank account within 24 to 48 hours. And then I can go and spend that. To do that with a home, I have to sign a lot of paperwork, has to get evaluated by the bank, have to go through all these different processes that'll take weeks. That is not something that turns liquid quickly. So that's all liquid it, uh, liquidity is. If you own equity in a company, can't get your money out of that company quickly. A lot of assessments, you got to find a buyer, got to do all this stuff. Can't get your money out of that. All right. Qu anything you can take and make cash quickly, that is good liquidity, basically. All right, mutual funds. A lot of people hear this word and or this term and they get a little confused. They're like, eh, I've heard this before. I don't know. All a mutual fund is is this. If you have one stock, it's called a stock. If you have 10 stocks, it's called a mutual fund. That's it. It's a group of stocks that are put in to diversify you. So normally mutual fund is tracking some type of industry. So instead of just buying one healthcare stock, I can buy 50 healthcare stocks in the and buy tiny bits of each stock by buying the mutual fund. That way, if one company goes bankrupt, it doesn't make me lose all my money. I'm invested in the entire sector. So that's all it is. 
portfolio. This is a good one. So a portfolio is just a collection of investments owned by an individual company, including stocks, bonds, 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 other assets. If you have a lot of bonds, maybe you're a baker. Yeah, sure. That could be a part of your portfolio. You know, something like to think about when people are talking about your investment portfolio, I actually collect uh, Pokemon cards and I have some that are worth a couple thousand dollars. So that is something that is significant whenever we're considering, you know, what my portfolio of investments are. So I can include my stocks. I can include my cryptocurrency. I can include my Pokemon cards. I can include, uh, you know, if I had a, a, I don't know, I'm making up stuff now, a rare car collection. Those are things that could be included in my portfolio. So that is all that they're talking about. It's it's just that. Risk. Okay. So risk, you're like, I know what risk is, Stephen. But risk when it comes to finances is the probability of loss or uncertainty associated with an investment or business decision. All investing is based off of risk. And a lot of people are really bad at evaluating the upside and downsides of risk. So that is a completely different discussion for another time. But just know that evaluating financial risk is one of the most important things you can do when you are investing. You need to know not just the downside, which is mostly what people focus on. They're like, what's the downside of this investment? You need to balance that against what the potential upside is. All right. So a stock security represents ownership in a company. Don't need to get onto it. All a stock is, is you are saying, I want to own a little bit of that company. And if that company goes up in value, how much my dollar that I invested in is going to go up with it. Simple as that. Volatility. So volatility is a really important word in the world of investing because volatility is the difference with the ups and the downs. And dependent on, again, going back to your level of risk, uh, right here that you are willing to take on, volatility can be a good or a bad thing. Because if you're making a very risky stock, it's going to be volatile. Okay. Cryptocurrency, a very volatile asset. Um, so that is something that is constantly going big swings up 10%, down 20%, up 8%, down 10 up 50%, up what you know, it's huge swings over time. And those can be very difficult. Because those big dips make people want to sell when they get scared, right? So measuring your risk will ultimately depend on the volatility of what it is that you are investing in. Okay, we're almost done here. A bond. A lot of people hear this, but they don't actually know what a bond is. A bond is a very conservative, very safe investment. You are essentially betting on the health of a country when you buy a bond. It is a security issued by a company, government, or entity that promises to repay the principal amount plus interest at a specified rate in time. Blah. I know. What the heck does that mean? All it means is this. The most common bonds that people normally buy come from the government. So the government says, hey, we need some money that we can loan out to people. If you buy our bonds, guaranteed this year, we are going to give you 5% on that. No matter what, there's no volatility. You buy this bond. For $1,000, at the end of the year, or at the end of six months, however long the bond is, at the end of the year, if you put $1,000 in this, you're going to have $1,050. You're going to make 5% on that investment. So that's pretty safe. Now, normally, because there's not really any volatility, it's pretty set. You don't really make a lot of money on bonds. But if you just need something to get you through, they're pretty good investments. All right, capital gain. All capital gain is is when you have an asset like a stock and then you sell it, you know, real estate, whatever it is, 
how much was it over the purchase price? So an example would be, okay, if I went and I bought this pen right here for a dollar, all right, I bought this Sharpie and then I go out and all of a sudden the Sharpie, the Sharpie manufacturer blows up and they can't make Sharpies as much anymore. So now the price of Sharpies has shot up and now it's $2. Well, the capital gain that I had on this Sharpie is now $1. It is the difference from what I bought it for versus how much I just turned around and sold it for. If you turn that into a percentage, that's 100% return on my investment. Pretty dang good for buying Sharpies. Okay, credit score. Credit scores, look, I don't have time to get into this. It's very controversial, the credit system, but at the end of the day, this is the world we live in. And if you wanna win the game, you gotta play the game. It's as simple as that. Your credit score is a rating assigned to an individual's credit worthiness, so if there's not enough syllables in that word, based on their credit history and financial behavior. This is the easiest way to break down what your credit score is, not how it's calculated, just what it is. All a credit score really is, is banks and credit card companies looking at previous history and saying, if we loan this person money, what are the chances that they are going to pay us back? What is the, how reliable is this person? If I was doing a credit score on babysitters, that would be the, to use this analogy, and I'm looking at their previous babysitting history. Have they had any kids get lost during their tenure as a babysitter? You know, were all the kids happy and satisfied with the level of care that was given to them? Did all the parents give great reviews? That's a set. I'm looking at this babysitter's reliability. That's all banks and creditors are doing when they're looking at you and your credit score. Now, is the method of that fair? And is it, you know, in everybody's best interest? That's a completely different story. But ultimately, that's all that a credit score is. Okay, hedge fund. If you're in the investing world a little bit, you might hear a lot of this. Hedge funds, hedge funds. What are hedge funds? This is a private investment fund that pulls money from high net worth individuals, aka rich people, and institutional investors to invest in a variety of assets using complex strategies. All a hedge fund is, is people who work with rich people and other companies. They say, give us your money and we're going to go out and we're going to make some really risky bets and we're going to try to beat the market. The reality is 90% of them lose money. It's as simple as that. So, most of them aren't particularly good at this. What they are good at, and the reason so many of them are in business, is because they charge really good fees for it. So, and a lot of times, rich people have very complex, um, and companies that are invested with these as well, they have very complex finances, and they just don't want to deal with it. It's easier to give it to somebody else. So that's why there's so many of them. Um, that's ultimately what a hedge fund is when you hear it. It's just somebody who's out there making big-time investments, doing crazy strategies with rich people and big companies' money. And the last one is net worth. Now, this is something that everybody has heard, but a lot of people don't actually know how to calculate. And it's very important that you do. So all a net worth is, is the total value of an individual or a company's assets minus their liabilities, representing their overall financial position. So now we're going to come back up here and we're going to revisit what we what we essentially started with asset and liability asset that stuff you own that's worth money liability that's debt you owe that's bad simple as that we want less liabilities we want more assets the end those single biggest reason that so many people are broke right now is because they spend their revenue and their capital on liabilities 
instead of using a budget to turn their revenue and capital into, here we go, assets that give a positive ROI. See what we just did there? I just said something really financy, super complicated, made me sound really smart. And all I said is, hey, people just spend their money on crap that they don't need when they should be spending it on things that are going to grow in value over time and ultimately help them retire. Okay, well, that sounds way simpler. But what I just said right before that sounded way more fancy, right? That is why it is so important to learn the language of money. If you want to get rich, if you want to build your wealth, you need to be able to speak the language of money. Because when you get into circles where you can learn from people who have made money, this is how they're going to talk. And if you don't know how to talk like this, then guess what? You are going to end up like me in a room of Chinese people speaking Mandarin, not knowing what the heck is going on. So don't be that person. Learn to speak the language. Learn how to say different money terms. Remember, it's not that complicated. It's not scary. A lot of this stuff is not complicated. And you know what? One thing I've learned about travel is that if you learn even just a little bit of the language, but you mess it up, the people that you're normally you know, in, around actually appreciate the effort. They don't actually laugh at you. Anytime I've traveled to other countries, I've tried to learn at least a couple words and phrases to help me navigate it. And I have never ran into anyone who made fun of me because it sucked. Now, maybe I said something funny because I mispronounced it. Everybody got a good laugh at it that it explained it to me. But, you know, if I walked into that room of Chinese people and I could speak a little bit of Mandarin, number one, it would make me feel more comfortable because I could understand some very basic things. We might be able to communicate a little bit. And guess what? That person is more than likely going to be willing to help me learn more things. And ultimately, it's going to make me more comfortable in that situation. The exact same rules apply whenever you are in financial circles. Nobody's going to make fun of you if you come in and you are trying to honestly learn, be a part of the conversation, and they may just say, okay, listen, you're using liabilities a little wrong there. A liability is actually this. What you said, you know, an expense is this, yada, yada, yada. And, it, and that's fine. Just take it for what it is, be humble, and just be willing to learn. And guess what? That is something that is going to help you build wealth and get rich.